How to design your own prosthesis and turn the project into a bonding experience. From civil wars, whistleblower tactics, schematic drafting, and the finer points of Sith adoption, the essential how-to guide for the engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Cry. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 12. It Will Terrify. If Firmus Piant had ever lived a moment tenser than the one he found himself in right now, he could hardly recall it. Admiral Ozzel. All along it had been Admiral Ozzel behind the conspiracy that had sought to kill Lars, a fact that seemed so stupidly obvious in hindsight that the only reason he could give for not having realized it earlier was that it would be so stupidly obvious. Who in their right mind would have suspected the Admiral of trying to kill the young man he had declared a one-sided rival in such a horrific manner, when there were more than a dozen likely candidates, each more dreaded and infamous for brutal lethality? For the love of the Force, the latest update from the ISB concerning Lars's status amongst the rest of the galaxy as a high-value target had put the worth of the collective bounties on the young man's head at over five hundred million credits, and it was still rising by the hour. And there was hardly a faction in the galaxy that wasn't gunning for the engineer, and only the fact that he was currently situated aboard the largest warship in the galaxy under the direct protection of Lord Vader himself was likely what discouraged most attempts. So really, who in their right mind would suspect the Admiral when there were these kinds of players at the table as well? Piet knew Ozel, had worked with him for far longer than he had ever wished to even be aware of the man's existence, and for all that Ozel could carry a grudge and exact revenge in the most utterly petty manner imaginable, he never would have thought the man capable of... It hardly mattered now, though. He couldn't think of many things that would matter now. Not when the main hanger... The beating heart of the lady, according to some, was filled with a deadly silence. A silence so loud that you could hear a pin drop, or in this case a comm unit. The little black device clattered to the floor. As Lord Vader released his grip, his entire posture frozen and still. No one dared move a muscle as the most terrifying realization slowly sank in. It was silent. Not even the cycling of a respirator breaking the utter ghostly silence, the humming of the ladies' engines ever-present, the bustling of people far away in the hangar, the very breaths they were taking. None of it produced a single sound. It was silent, and Piet had the horrifying suspicion that if he were to scream now, not a whisper would leave his lips. It was silent, and that made it all the more obvious when something flashed at the far end of the hangar. Lights. The lights were flickering, straining, and by the looks of it trying desperately to keep burning, even as something was putting them out. Dim, bright, dim, bright, in irregular intervals that had Piet's nerves standing on end. Lord Vader still hadn't moved. Neither had anyone else. And the lights kept flickering. Then another. And another. Creeping closer and closer to them as the something... Something advanced towards them in the utter silence. The shadows lengthened, and there was something white, crystalline, spreading over the walls, 
closer and closer to them with each light that joined the strained fight against whatever was trying to shut them down. Something was coming for them fast, and no one was moving. Not Vader, not Ozel, no one. Piet wondered why he wasn't moving, why he wasn't saying anything, why he wasn't warning anyone. Warning. That thought shot through his mind and body like lightning, jerking some kind of response back into him and making him aware that something was coming for the people under his command. Opening his mouth with more effort than he had ever had to expand to do so, he attempted to say something, anything, about the encroaching thing that seemed to be moving along the lengthening shadows, and not a word came out. Silence pressed down on him like a weighted blanket, smothering any words he tried to form before they could even leave his mouth, and he watched, horrified, as they all stood as if bound while the thing making the lights flicker came closer and closer and cold, freezing. The lights overhead snapped out in a shower of spark that set off the emergency lights, bathing the scene in a wash of red, and a wall of freezing air slammed into them with a force that left him gasping in silence. The shadows had reached them, and it was so cold. His breath formed fog in the air, and with horror he realized that the white crystalline thing crawling over the walls was frost. Frost in the lady, in the main hangar, crawling along the walls. Why was this familiar? Oh, oh no. His eyes snapped back over to Lord Vader, Lord Vader, who had nearly frozen the recovery ward solid only yesterday, and froze as solid as the temperature. Shadows, long pitch-black shadows that shrunk all light down to nothing fell on Lord Vader, and with the flickering, abysmal lighting, his form almost seemed to shift as well, every time the lights failed. Red emergency lighting cast a feeble gleam on the hard, black armor, but it couldn't stop the light from playing tricks on Piet's eyes, his lord one moment looming as he usually did the next, towering, towering over all as the shadows played their tricks, Piet swearing that some moments he saw, he saw, terrible, grand, horrifying, void, dark, laughter echoing through his mind, grating, rattling from beyond the air left his lungs in a soundless gasp. What the hell was that thing? Then the lights flickered again, and it was gone from sight. But now Piet felt it, the thing looming over all of them, as heavy in the air as molasses and just as hard to breathe through, too. The shadows writhed in a manner that was scientifically incompatible with Piet's current understanding of physics, and his head felt faint and strange as he looked at it. The laughter he was somehow hearing and not swelling in volume, and that, that, it took everything in him not to throw up on the floor when the shadows, it couldn't be shadows, it couldn't be, but oh, Forrest, he didn't know what he wished they were instead, writhed again and from the corner of his eye he saw that some of the unfortunates weren't as lucky. Some troopers yanking their helmets off with as much haste as they could as they lost their breakfast to the floor. Despite the arctic temperatures, Piet felt sweat begin to gather at his brow. Then the air heaved, 
something large lifting itself up, and suddenly it was easier to breathe again. Swaying on his feet with the vertigo of the sensation, Piet didn't think he'd ever been that relieved to hear himself gasp and cough for breath, stumbling from his place as his feet seemed to unstick from the floor. The relief shattered like dropped porcelain when a sound reached his ears, shaking through the air like an earthquake and reaching his ears in bursts and halts. Piet felt every hair in his body stand on end as his mind registered the sound, snarling and rasping, echoing and furious, like an enraged beast, like a shattering mountain, like a million voices speaking at once with only a handful of them coming from a humanoid larynx. <laughs> the judgment thundered around them like a storm, and Piet's heart shot into his throat when, in time with the judgment, the metal of the floor shrieked and rent as five monstrously large gouges were carved into the floor between him and Ozzel by an invisible hand. What the entire— He didn't get the chance to finish that thought as one of the officers doing his best to hide behind Ozel evidently lost his nerve and sanity, shrieked like a banshee, and dashed past him and Vader, attempting to make a break through the crowd in a bid for freedom. Oh, no, I can't! Please, let me out! He yelled, wild and desperate as he rushed the crowd, people shrieking as he stormed towards them, and something snapped through the air, and a snarl wove through it like water. The officer stopped dead in his tracks and went utterly silent. Shadows roiled in a way light never did. And when he glanced back towards Lord Vader, his blood ran as cold as the air around him. Lord Vader had finally moved, and he was staring straight at the frozen officer, fists clenched at his side. Piet hadn't seen him move, and he wasn't sure now, but none of that mattered when the officer convulsed. At first it was just a light shake of his shoulders, then an eerily soundless heave, and something dark and viscous dripped onto the ground, people in the crowd shrieking and wailing as the officer continued to heave. Then the man's feet abruptly seemed to come unstuck, and he stumbled to the side, turning slightly in the process. Oh, oh, force, oh, thrice-damned holy force. Piet's heart stilled as he stared at the man with all the morbid fascination of watching a train wreck. His eyes, oh, force his eyes, they were blank, completely rolled back into his head, jarringly white and gleaming with the red of the emergency lights, in horrific contrast to the near-black blood that dripped out of his mouth with every heave. The man convulsed and thrashed, and in all his distress never so much as made a sound, even as the people began to panic around him. Then the true horror began. With a particular choking heave, Piet watched with wide eyes as the man spat up a glob of bloody flesh that landed on the ground with a stomach-turning splat. It was still beating, and— and, force, if there was any mercy in this world, don't tell him that was his heart. The officer collapsed onto the ground within seconds, and the heaving weakened until at last the man was lying still and broken on the ground, lifeless white eyes still staring out. 
The crowd was dead silent. Someone fainted. Piet couldn't blame them. They'd just witnessed a man spit out his own... No, they'd witnessed Lord Vader make a man spit out his own heart, which... That... Oh, force. Turning his gaze back to Lord Vader with all the trepidation of facing a... No, facing something much, much worse than a starving Nexu. Piet blanched as he saw that the man had once more moved, while Piet hadn't been looking, and was now staring, still as a statue, at the remaining treasonous officers, who were looking at their fallen comrade with all the blank shock and horror appropriate for the situation, something which slowly, all too slowly, morphed into terror, as they realized exactly what they were seeing. Then one officer in the middle of the pack made the fatal choice of looking up towards Lord Vader with wide, terrified eyes. Not a second later, a series of nauseating snapping sounds rung out as his neck twisted in several ways it should never have been able to, and Piet thought that he saw that he saw bones sticking, sticking out of... His stomach gave a roll as the body sank down, and along with it, reality for the other treasonous officers. Panic erupted in a manner that put a volcano to shame. Officers attempted to sprint off in all various directions, screaming and shrieking when the air roared to life with something vicious and furious. One by one they fell, necks broken or choking on their own organs and blood, chests collapsing where they stood in a mess of flesh and bone. It was a bloodbath, and it left only one man standing. Ozzel, who had apparently been unable to run for any reason that might range from shock to fear to catatonic breakdown, was standing as the soul-breathing body in a mass of corpses, shock still and pale white, as he barely seemed to comprehend the carnage around him. For a moment no one moved. Then Vader took a step forward and the whole world ground to a halt, as everyone in the hangar realized how deep the pit that had just opened up underneath them was. His movements were lurching, yet fluid, graceful, yet erratic. To say Lord Vader moved like a predator would be to say that a rancor on the loose was an inconvenience, a wild understatement, and liable to get someone killed due to the miscommunication. The Lord hissed out, both through the vocoder and not, the very air seeming to form the words a million times over in a susurration that made Piet's hind brain scream into flight or flight reflexes. Every step forward was accompanied by ringing ears and torn metal, as invisible claws raked along the deck, leaving deep gouges in their wake as if Lord Vader was not so much stepping forward as that something much larger was clawing its way towards Ozzel. Ozzel, who finally realized what was coming for him, began scrambling backwards, his eyes fixated on the approaching Black Death. Spectre of the battlefields, who stood haloed in light as red as the blood he soaked whole planets in, the Admiral refused to turn his back on his approaching demise for even a second. 
and Piet couldn't decide whether that was a wise decision or not. On the one hand, facing Lord Vader head-on was clearly buying him a few precious seconds. On the other, running like a coward might make it relatively quick and easy if Lord Vader gave in to his hunting instincts and went for the kill. And he was hunting, Piet now knew. There was no other word for what he was seeing that didn't feel like a gross understatement. Then Ozel slipped on the viscera of his former co-conspirators, and Piet could nearly see the proverbial trap snap shut as Ozel made a sudden, flailing movement in an attempt to keep his balance. Between one flicker of light and the next, Lord Vader had lunged forward, mantle billowing like the wings of something pulling out of a killing dive, and it was only by either the hunter's intention or sheer dumb luck that Ozel managed to scramble away in time, stumbling to the side and making a break for it, even as Lord Vader's mask swiveled to unerringly track his every movement. The vocoder and ground and very air crackled to life once more, as that horrific voice of millions thundered out another judgment. Piat's ears rung with the word until even his eyes saw double vision. The crowd around him began to shriek and panic once more, scattering further and further with every sudden flash of speed that the black spectre used to approach his prey. Piet wished he could join them, but it was like he was frozen to the ground, his body uncooperative and his mind's urging for him to run. Run now! It was a cold comfort that Lord Vader seemed disinterested in pursuing any prey that wasn't the man in front of him, at least for now. Ozel shrieked and stammered as Lord Vader approached, uselessly demanding and begging and ordering that the Dark Lord cease this at once. And Piet couldn't even understand the words any more as they began to slur together into one incoherent bleating that pled for his survival, a sound that that wasn't human anymore. Eyes widening in realization and macabre fascination, Piet stared in stunned silence as the Admiral's mouth began, began melting, for lack of a better term. Grasping feebly towards his neck, Piet could pinpoint the exact second the man realized what was happening when his fingers sunk into the flesh of his neck the skin warping and distorting under the pressure like dough. The man's mouth began to hinge open on one end, his jaw sagging down on one side like a worn-out rubber band, teeth sinking along the liquefied jawbone like pebbles in melting snow. Ozzel's hands frantically scrambled to get a grip on his warping facial features, keening out incomprehensible sounds as the flesh merely seeped through his fingers leaking unhindered through the gaps. The man had bigger issues when he realized that the flesh had quite literally molded itself to his hand, an amalgamation of flesh and bone that couldn't be unfused now that it had touched. Howling out burbling sounds that barely classified as humanoid, let alone human, the man attempted to pull back his hand from the melding mass of flesh, only to stretch his already drooping jaw out like taffy along with it. The flesh steadily continued melting, 
his arm now following suit in a horrific manner, the human sludge spilling out and over the sleeve of the uniform, burying the navy green under mounds of warping, deforming flesh. The whole front of the admiral had progressed to a slimy, flabby mess of mouth and jaw and tongue dotted with the occasional teeth, sinking further and further as the whole upper jaw followed suit with the lower. The sounds produced by the admiral a mess of horrific, gurgling and rasping groans that made Piet wonder what the hell was going on internally if this was happening on the outside. Melting further and further, Ozel began to stumble and sink to his knees when he ceased having the bone structure necessary to keep supporting him, but it hardly drew any attention from anyone who could see the man's face. Warping, distorted, the eyes drifting further and further out of their sockets as they flowed along the folds of skin like the tears they normally produced themselves. The mound of gurgling, shrieking flesh that had once been a man was a horrific sight even before certain parts began to bubble and boil, great sores of skin rising in certain places and distorting the thing that had once been Admiral Ozel even further pulsating blisters of who even knew what that accelerated the warping and stretching, until not even where Piet had once known a face and head to sit was recognizable anymore. Piet stared at the thing on the floor. It wasn't humanoid in the furthest of reaches, not even possessing any kind of visible limbs or appendages anymore. There was no face and the only reasonable counter-argument that could be made to that statement was that the slimy and grotesque remains of what was once the internal surface of a mouth now covered the whole front of the thing from the origin point all the way down. Two eyes were a part of the thing, but one was bulging out from somewhere near the floor, and one was where he might have once approximated where the legs would have been, maybe, unable to do anything but weep. It was just a mound of gurgling, melted, twitching flesh that bore a closer resemblance to a slug, or perhaps a slime mold, than any kind of vertebrate. And it had once been Admiral Ozel. His stomach gave another roil, and it was a miracle Piet hadn't lost its contents yet. There was no sound beyond that of the thing on the floor as everyone looked on, frozen in place, no one daring to make a move lest they be the next target of his lordship's wrath. One moment, two, an eternity of tensed muscles and fraying nerves as everyone held their breath, hoping, praying, that it was finally over. Then something lifted in the air, and a familiar sound broke through the silence once more, the cycling of a respirator. With every breath, the lights brightened a little more, the sounds of the world came back, and the shadows stopped disobeying the laws of reality. Piat's racing heart calmed with every cycle, and when the lights not utterly destroyed, at last snapped back on and the frost melted off the walls, did he dare heave a sigh of relief. It seemed his lord's bloodlust had been sated with this, 
Still, no one dared move. Not until Lord Vader did. And when he did move, Piet thanked whatever was listening, that it was only with the usual eerie grace, and not the gait of a predator, out for the kill. It was still the stride of someone highly irate and dangerous, but it, at the very least, resembled a humanoid gait once more. Turning away from the carnage at his feet, Lord Vader shifted himself into his usual state once more, and Piet breathed a little easier at the familiarity. If someone was going to die now, he doubted they'd shared in Ozel's fate. Ozel, who was still making gurgling and hacking sounds on the floor. Piet grimaced. Alive, then. He felt no sympathy for the man, but that was horrific, to say the least. He had no time to spare for the unfortunate thing on the floor, though, as Lord Vader turns to face him and pinned Piet under the full weight of his attention. I believe, the Dark Lord began idly, danger in every word, that this resolves the situation of the attempted lockdown breach, and perhaps the necessity for a lockdown as well. Wouldn't you agree, Admiral Piet? Eyes wide as he registered the title with which he was addressed, Piet couldn't stop himself from glancing surreptitiously at his apparent immediate predecessor, still twitching and gurgling on the floor. Swallowing as he swiftly glanced back to Lord Vader, he nodded. I will conduct further investigation into the... into Mr. Ozzel's affairs, my lord, but I believe... I believe you, you're right. And even if his lordship wasn't... Piet doubted that anyone would be stupid enough to continue the conspiracy after seeing or hearing of what kind of fate it would net them. If nothing else, he continued carefully, it seems that we now know what to look for in any other conspirators that slipped under the radar. Agreed, Admiral, Lord Vader rumbled out. Very well, then. You have your orders. The duties previously executed by your predecessor now fall to you. Inform all who need to know that Kendall Ozzel is no longer an officer in the Imperial Navy, or indeed affiliated with it at all. Dispose of his remains, and blacklist his name as a traitor. As for the position of Captain of the Lady, I leave it to your discretion on who you appoint your own previous duties and rank to. Piet's head spun with the new information, and he could barely nod. Yes, my lord. Thank you, my lord. Lord Vader, evidently, was entirely done with the whole situation, and inclined his head curtly. Very well, then, Admiral Piet. I leave you to your duties. And then, a little louder, all are dismissed. With that, the Dark Lord swept away, mantle billowing in his wake and dripping the blood and viscera picked up as the edge swept along the ground, leaving a bloody trail of footprints and smears in his wake. As the heavy tread faded away into the background, Piet slowly released the breath he felt he'd held the entire time. Most of them had survived. Everyone, in fact, bar the conspirators. It seemed Lord Vader had been disinterested in spreading death any further than he deemed necessary, and considering the target, though Piet thought it a miserable way to die, he knew that they would have been dead men regardless of what methods he used. No one committed treason aboard the Lady and walked away with their lives. Though it unfortunately left him in the uncomfortable position of having to deal with the thing that was once Admiral Ozzel, but clearly never would be again. That and thirteen other bodies. Breathing in deeply, 
Piet took two seconds to process the fact that he had just been promoted to admiral, a momentous occasion over the remains of what once had been his superior and was now barely recognizable as a living being. Then another two to process the being thing, something other that Lord Vader had become in order to do this, and reached the horrifying conclusion that he had never before seen his commander truly furious. Annoyed, irritated, vexed, and out of patience, yes, but truly enraged. He didn't think he could have imagined what that would be like if he hadn't just experienced it. Just the manner in which the Lord's whole demeanor and characteristics had shifted from something that inspired both dread and respect in equal measures to something that had sparked outright horror and terror was something Piet didn't doubt he would be thinking about for a long time to come. If only to remember the petrifying realization that Lord Vader had a lethal temper, yes, but his actual wrath was much harder to rouse, to the point that he didn't think it had ever been seen before by anyone on the Lady. He would have to contact Montferrat on the Devastator to see if the man had any insights into this newly realized potential way to die horribly. Later, first he had to deal with the cleanup of Lord Vader's resolution of the previous situation. His last two seconds ticked by, and he sighed as he opened his eyes, looking down at the nauseatingly twitching and keening remains of what was once a man. As per his orders, it would need to be disposed of, and the execution carried out to completion to put the thing out of its misery. But how to do it in a humane way? Pressing his lips and feeling the weight settle on his shoulders, he made a decision. Looking up, he sought out Lieutenant Alter, her tanned face unusually pale as she looked at the same thing he had just been looking at. Lieutenant Alter, he addressed as easily as he could, breaking the silence that had reigned since Lord Vader's departure. She looked up at him with wide eyes before she visibly regained her composure, nodding determinedly. Yes, sir. Please pass orders along to the CMO to send a medic equipped with the necessary equipment to ease the passing of the last of the traitors, he ordered quietly, barely needing to raise his voice at all to make himself heard. I do not believe Mr. Roswell will expire on his own, and I do not wish for the morgue to have to deal with this situation. The lieutenant's eyes widened as she caught the implication, but her face hardened barely a split second later. Of course, sir, she agreed. Anything else? Now that will be all, lieutenant, he said with a dip of his head. Then it shall be done, sir she said as she saluted him, and Piet felt some small amount of comfort in the familiar gesture after all that had happened. "'If you would, sir.' "'Of course, Lieutenant,' he agreed, dismissed. She turned on her heel without any further words or expressions, and promptly marched off, presumably to place a call in a more private setting, and to perhaps take a second or two of her own as well, not that Piet could blame her. If it weren't for the fact that he had just risen several ranks and could feel the stares of all present resting on him, he would have walked off to take a moment to himself as well. As it stood, though, he couldn't, and he had work to do. He sighed. Dear Force, he had work to do. He directed his attention towards the one medic already present and felt a wave of relief sweep over him as he saw Kix already surveying the carnage with a calculating eye. Medic Kix, he addressed the clone turning sharply towards him with a silent salute. Could you please begin the examination of the corpses and the remains of Mr. Rosal to confirm or dismiss my theory? 
Once your colleagues arrive, I would like for them to be able to proceed on some basis of information instead of having to go in blind. The medic nodded firmly and didn't wait for further dismissal or instructions before he pulled two disposable rubber gloves out of his uniform's dispensary and without so much as a wince or change in expression walked straight towards the nearest body to begin his examination. Concluding that the medic hardly needed any further assistance from someone who knew next to nothing of medical issues, Piet decided to leave him to it. Turning towards one of the other officers, he nodded to Commander Cody. Commander, could you be so kind as to place a call to the morgue and inform them to send enough personnel to handle fourteen bodies in questionable states, he asked, mindful of the fact that it would hardly be appropriate to call the bodies FUBAR, even as it was the first term that sprang to mind when he saw the broken and mangled corpses of some of the lady's highest-ranking officers. Lord Vader had cleaned house, and he would need to replenish the ranks soon enough, preferably with individuals competent enough to avoid the proverbial headsman's axe. But first they would need to be registered in the morgue, something the commander thankfully seemed more than capable of arranging. Yes, sir, he acknowledged with a quick salute, before activating his comm. Slowly, with both Piet and the commander's voices filling the air, people began to move and talk again, no longer rooted to the spot, even as Piet didn't doubt that what they'd witnessed would leave its own roots behind. A massacre, even of traitors, was not so easily forgotten, especially not an exceptionally cruel and vengeful one like this. Ordering the site of the execution quartered off, statements and names to be taken from all present, medical attention to be called for the few individuals who had fainted while witnessing Lord Vader's hunt, and generally ensuring that the transition of officers would proceed as smoothly as possible, Piant already felt drained by the time he could just take a moment and stand there and slowly work away at the paperwork for Ozel and the other officers' deaths while people milled about him in order to carry out his orders. His first orders were given as an admiral. Force that still didn't feel real. Thankfully, it would likely soon feel all too damn real if the determined look with which Veers was approaching him was any indication. I'm not in the mood for sarcasm, Max, he said bluntly as he cut the man off before he could even open his mouth, so I would appreciate it if you just didn't. Veers snorted but didn't protest. Then it's a good thing I'm hardly in the mood either, no? He fired back before sobering up. How are you holding up, Thomas? he asked leaning in and lowering his voice to deter any eavesdroppers. Tired, he answered honestly, overwhelmed, horrified, somehow relieved, fearing for my life and not. I don't know, Max. It's a million things in one, and nothing at all the same, he muttered lowly, keeping an eye on his surroundings even as he tapped away at his data pad. Veers made a soft sound, and Piet looked up to find his sympathetic eyes. Can't say I'm surprised, Admiral. He retorted with a small grin. I think you just broke the record for worst conditions to receive a promotion under. I can assure you more than one trooper will be devastated. Piet stared incredulously at his friend, his mind attempting to comprehend that sentence and getting stuck on the thought that somewhere, somehow, there were people out there envious of him because he'd gotten promoted in the middle of a bloodbath with his former superior gurgling at his feet in a shape that would haunt his nightmares and plague his mind now every time he thought of Vader executing him. He hoped that his commander would go back to simply crushing the windpipes of those who had displeased him, because, frankly speaking, he was going to have a little trouble dealing with life otherwise, to put it lightly, even if there were apparently troopers out there who envied him. A thought that suddenly seemed unaccountably hilarious to him. First a twitch at the corner of his mouth escaped his control, then a quiet snort, and before he knew it, 
he was snickering quietly to the growing concern of Veers. Eyeing him in concern while he scanned the surroundings, he subtly nudged Piet. "'You're about to snap, Thomas," he asked seriously, evidently more than a little concerned for that eventuality, and Piet couldn't blame him. It would be the height of inconvenience and perceived weakness for him to snap ten minutes into his role as admiral. Thankfully, he knew how to keep himself together under tenser situations, perhaps not much tenser, but he had made it through then, and he would make it through now. No, he honestly told Veers, I'm not. Not yet. I can last at least until the end of my shift, but all bets are off after that, Max. Lord Vader had melted a person. Thrice damned force, Lord Vader had melted a person. And if the reality of that statement wasn't engraved into the very depths of his psyche by now, he might have even laughed at how utterly ridiculous it sounded. Fanciful and far-fetched, something that was told in the barracks to darken an already terrifying figure of legend. But it was real. He'd seen it, and now he held a dead man's rank, while the remnants of that man were still keening out sounds of pain and despair that rung through the air and had Piet's body in a constant state of fight-or-flight. He studiously ignored the thoughts, asking how much of those keens were instinctual, and how many were the result of whatever remains of the thing's mind were left in there. Realizing the situation, force he needed the catharsis of having a meltdown in his quarters later this evening, or he was going to lose it. Something Veers evidently realized as well, giving him a significant look from the corner of his eye as he looked to observe the troopers marching around the quartered-off part of the hangar, studiously avoiding stepping in the near-ubiquitous piles of blood. Piet thought that he must look exactly as bad as he felt, if that was the look he was earning from Veers. "'If you say so,' he allowed dubiously. Piet snorted quietly, and rearranged his mental state into something less likely to break before the end of his shift— where he could tap out early and nod it somewhere around, need check the chrono, one thousand hours in the morning. Force, this was going to be one of those days. Still, he had a job to do. I do say so, he retorted easily. I know I'm not at my most convincing at the moment, Max, but I can keep it together at least until the afternoon. And then to stumble into your room with a glass or two of something strong until you forget what you've seen, Veers finished, nodding his head in understanding. I get it. Well, yes, if he was being honest though he might just skip straight to passing out on a vaguely soft, flat surface and catch the couple hours of extra sleep that way, nightmares be damned. Perhaps this would all look a lot less daunting once it was a day away, or perhaps reality might finally sink in and he would truly snap, who knew? But he nodded towards Veers anyway, and the man shot him a sympathetic smile that looked closer to a grimace and clapped a hand on his shoulder. "'I'll go coordinate the men to see if there are any more of Ozzel's cronies to scrounge up then,' he muttered. Just send me the list of any you know, and we'll bring them in for a little chat. Oh, he said, and an unholy grin spread over his face that had Piet already feel dread sink into the pit of his stomach for the future. And get the new admiral a congratulations gift. Any preferences? Dry, medium, sweet? The standard gift for any officer of significant rank aboard the lady getting a promotion. A bottle of their vice of choice. Even those like Piet, who didn't usually drink, got one and appreciated it. As he could attest, no matter how much one objected to alcohol, there would come a point in every officer's career where you just had to deal with or witness something that required a stiff drink. For Piet, there had been far too many of those moments lately. And he once again glanced balefully at the pitiful thing still on the floor a little ways away from him, now being warily examined by medic kicks who had knelt down next to it. 
pitiful as it may be, he could hardly forget what it had done in order to earn this state. Tiha, he answered bluntly, putting the thing out of mind for a moment and directing his attention back to Veers. I think I'll need it. Veers blinked at him, but nodded easily. Well, at least the men will know where to get some, he muttered under his breath, before glancing back at Piet with a nod. Will do. I'll get going then, but firmus, he said, and Piet took his eyes fully off the data pad that was still processing his orders. Veers smiled grimly, but dipped his head towards them. No matter how grim, congrats on the promotion. Everyone will agree. You earned it more than your predecessor ever could. Somehow, Max, he retorted dryly, I don't think that is the compliment you make it out to be. Anything is a compliment if you simply have the mindset for it, Firmus. Fear shot back as he began to walk away, presumably to go find Piet, the most over-the-top and obnoxious bottle of Tihar he could get his hands on in such short notice. Piet had a feeling he'd be surprised by the ingenuity of that part of the gift regardless. You just need the audacity for it, he finished. And then he was gone before Piet could retort. Pursing his lips into a thin line at his friend's conduct, Piet shook his head as he went back to the personnel list on his datapad, looking over the names for those that stood out to him. Fourteen officers had just been executed, and while the execution of officers had been relatively common up until only a few months ago, it had still been a matter of one or two executions every two or three months, which, granted, was still a high enough number that it had given Piet nightmares, but it was much less than he had heard the rumors say. How anyone thought a ship could still be run at the efficiency Lord Vader demanded if they went through officers at a rate fast enough that even the Imperial Academies would be able to keep up in training, never mind the lost experience, he would never know. Fourteen officers in quick succession, as had just happened, was as unprecedented as it was terrifying. Though he couldn't say that it was in any way surprising considering the crime which they had committed, it still left a power vacuum of considerable size within the Lady's hierarchy especially considering how high-ranking some of the officers have been. They would need to be replaced, and fast, preferably with people who weren't incompetents and weren't elitist and xenophobic to the point of plotting murder and treason, the first to save him from teeth-clenched collaboration, the second to save them from Lord Vader's wrath, though the first requirement would save them as well, he supposed. Unfortunately, he wasn't Lord Vader. And if he were to promote anyone a sudden, and he honestly was only just beginning to wrap his head around this five ranks, there would be riots. So many of the officers he had in mind, while he could recommend them to fill the spaces left behind by the officers that would be promoted to the new vacancies, wouldn't be able to rise that far through the ranks just yet. Unless he made a list of suggestions and sent them through to Lord Vader for approval. Sometimes he loved loopholes. So engrossed was he in figuring out who to promote to where and why that he didn't notice Commander Cody approach until the commander was nearly upon him. Sir, the commander said as he saluted, the minics and corners have arrived, sir. Ah, on with the grim duty then. Thank you, commander, he said as he mentally prepared himself to have to deal with the remains of his ex-colleagues and currently deceased traitors. Looking up, he spotted fourteen of the onboard ambulances entering the main hangar, pulling up right to the edge of the perimeter. Immediately, medics and coroners started unloading from the modified speeders, and Piet was once again struck by the scale of what had happened. The lady had over six hundred onboard ambulances, but to see even three in the same place was a sign that things had gone horribly wrong. To see fourteen, it brought into perspective what had just happened. 
Signaling for the commander to join him, Piet walked over to the most senior medic present that he could spot, a woman with hard lines in her face, severe eyes, and snow-white hair that contrasted sharply against her dark complexion. Approaching her, he cleared his throat. She looked ever towards him and saluted firmly, her severe expression never wavering. Captain Piet, she greeted curtly. Medic Calero at your service. Wincing as he realized he still had the wrong bars pinned to his chest, Piet saluted back. I'm afraid it's Admiral now, Medic Calero, he corrected easily. I haven't had the time yet to change uniform as the promotion was rather sudden. She gave him a long look, eventually nodding and understanding. He finally went too far, hmm, sir, she said knowingly, and Piet didn't want to know just how bad Oswald's reputation had to be that that statement was accepted so readily. To say the least, he confirmed. As it turned out, Mr. Rosal was the head of the conspiracy with the aim of killing her engineer Lars, alongside thirteen of the lady's other highest-ranking officers. That plot was recently discovered, and Lord Vader was present. They were summarily dealt with. Calero grimaced in sympathy and nodded her head. Can't say I'm too surprised, sir, she told him frankly. There are always going to be those who can't stand that others earn what was handed to them. She glanced over towards the remnants of the bloodbath behind them. So that's what's left of the idiots who got it into their heads to try and murder the lady's son. Piet nodded, and there was something gratifying in her harsh scoff as she shook her head in disappointment, muttering something distinctly uncomplimentary sounding under her breath in another language. Quite so, he agreed with her in a mutter, something that earned him a slight but vicious smile. He adjusted his stance and the data pad at the crook of his arm as he sobered up once more. However, there remains must still be dealt with, and thanks to Lord Vader's brother, he searched for the appropriate word, coming up blank, save for the most nondescriptive one. Unique method of execution this time around. I'm afraid that one of them is still alive. In a manner of speaking. Unique method of execution, Medicalero asked immediately, jumping on Piet's hesitancy and reading the situation quite accurately. I take it something else was reserved for the idiot, rather than the massacre I can still see from here? He nodded feeling his expression twist up in disgust somewhat. If you have the necessary compounds to put someone out of their misery, I suggest we proceed to them immediately. Medic Calero raised an eyebrow at his admittedly rather evasive description of the situation, but turned towards the team of medics still working behind her, barking out a couple of orders for them to join her, to bring the requested lethal injection and to get out the emergency privacy screens. The last directive in particular was one Piet was grateful for. If at all possible, he wasn't watching this. When she'd given the last order, she looked back towards Piet and gave him a significant look. Catching the message, he gestured his head towards the place where Kix was likely still investigating the thing. Please follow me, medic. Swiftly turning around on his heel, he walked off with haste, passing the perimeters easily and hearing the footsteps of various medical personnel closely behind him. As they approached the place where the melted monstrosity that was once both an admiral and a man laid, he heard gasps and hissed curses arise from behind him, all of which he ignored. Fire of the gods, he heard Kalira mutter behind him. What is that thing? That, he said lowly, is apparently what happens when Lord Vader becomes truly enraged and chooses to take his time. More quiet swearing followed after that statement, and Piet couldn't find it in himself to ask anyone to clean up their language usage. There truly was no other language appropriate for whatever the hell had happened here. Agreed, he muttered under his breath as he stepped up to the uncomfortably large mass of human something. 
To be frank, it looked like someone had taken a particularly lumpy and amateurishly shaped pudding, turned it inside out, and then squashed it for good measure. Unfortunately, nothing about it was even half as innocuous as that comparison implied, something he was sharply reminded of when he once more had to approach the truly disgusting and horrific thing to talk with medic kicks, who was still knelt down beside the mound of flesh and cautiously attempting to study it with a hydrospanner and screwdriver he had clearly requisitioned off of one of the nearby engineers. Considering what had happened when Arsel had attempted to touch his own melting flesh, Piet could only think it a wise precaution. Medic kicks, he greeted as he walked up. Any progress? The medic looked up towards him and the medics behind him with a serious expression and dropped the tools as he stood up with a quick salute. Some, he admitted. But you likely won't like it, sir. There is little about the situation to like, Menick, he retorted. Please, your findings. Kix grimaced as he glanced at the thing beside him. Well, I can confidently say that the flesh is far sturdier and hardier than it was during the, for lack of a better term, fusion phase. Either that, or only his own flesh was able to fuse with this flesh at the merest touch, like it did during the transformation. He crossed his arms and scowled at the thing below him. Furthermore, there is the definite presence of hard structures underneath the amalgamation of fat, skin, and muscle. But it's likely flexible, and in a usual situation my best guess would be that it's cartilage. However, considering the actual situation, I find it more likely that the skeleton has undergone some kind of transformation as well making it more flexible and brittle. Kix turned his gaze back towards Piet and his colleagues, something painful in his gaze. Near as I can tell, everything was stretched and fused and molded, external and internal. But I can't do anything more unless we're able to either do a scan or... He cut himself off, but Piet could guess the next word. Or an autopsy, he suggested lightly. Pretty much, sir. Kix agreed. He sighed, looking at the thing on the floor. Well, that last one can be arranged. Medic Calero and your other colleagues are here to administer the final dose, he said, as he looked towards the elderly woman. She took her cue and stepped forward. Euthanasia, to be exact, she specified quietly, and then a little louder. We'll start setting up the privacy screens now, sir, she said, directing her words towards Piet. Please step back. Obliging her requested order, Piet stepped a couple of paces back, watching the medics go about their job. Large, collapsible screens of black cloths were put up and placed around the remnants of Ozzel with speed and efficiency until the entire horror show was blocked from view. When the last screen had been set up and the whole thing was done, Piet watched Medic Calero step out briefly to request the needed material. A small, clear plastic case being handed to her, and Piet could see a syringe and a couple of small bottles of what he presumed were the cocktail of drugs needed being handed to her. Medic Kick stepped out as well and quietly conversed with one of the medics holding a data pad, a glimpse at the screen showing Piet that they had the death certificate ready to be filled out. When the brief conversation was concluded, Kix nodded and stepped aside to let the medic through, before making his way over towards Piet. "'Any moment now, sir,' he said quietly as he stepped into place beside Piet, observing the black privacy screens in the same manner Piet himself was doing. It might take a little longer than expected, since we have no idea what the cardiovascular system looks like anymore, or whether the arteries and veins are in respect to each other. 
but it at least ought to be a relatively painless death, in some form or another. Minor blessings, Piet muttered back, and while Kix inclined his head in agreement, nothing more was said. They both stood in silence outside of the makeshift medical tent, and listened as, at first, nothing happened. But then, after a moment that seemed to last far too long, the gurgling and keening sounds that had rang through the air almost without pause began to taper off and to quiet down. A few moments more, and nothing was heard any more from the tent. The hangar only filled with the usual noises of activity, and only the occasional sound of medics and coroners asking each other for help with another body. A few moments more, and Medic Calero stepped out of the tent and nodded towards them with a grim look. "'He's gone,' was all she said. And it was strange to hear that phrase, and to know that the man that had made Piet and his underlings' lives a living hell more than once was truly gone, even if he had been frankly expecting it ever since he had known the man irritated everyone up to and including Lord Vader, it was still an odd thing to realize as reality, odd but not impossible, he sighed. Still, if Ozel was truly gone now, all that was left for him to do was to leave the medics and coroners to their tasks and proceed with his own. There was an investigation to conclude a change of leadership to announce to the crew of the Lady at Large, fourteen additional names to blacklist as traitors, a list for the replacements to complete and send through to Lord Vader, and so much more to be done. Truly it was one of those days. Nodding to the two medics, he began to mentally plot his course towards the bridge and draft his announcement toward the rest of the Lady. Then I'm afraid that concludes my business here, he told them apologetically. I need the rest of the handling of the deceased in your care, and expect a report of the situation when there is any new information. For now, I believe I should proceed to make the announcement of a change in leadership, as well as the recent developments of the investigation. Sir! A sharp voice cut him off, ringing out from somewhere to his right. Admiral Piet, sir! Looking over towards the source of the shouting, Piet saw an ensign trotting over as fast as he could while still looking moderately dignified, a small black reinforced case slung under his arm. The man looked harried and a bit wild-eyed, but determined as could be as he made his way towards him. "'Yes, Ensign?' he acknowledged as the man came to a halt in front of him, saluting sharply. "'What is the meaning of all this commotion?' "'Ensign Rolt, sir!' he said, still holding the salute, and Piet barely remembered to salute back. To be fair to him, a lot had happened, and a brief slip in protocol could be excused. "'I was sent to deliver this to you by Lord Vader, sir!' And with this he thrust out the reinforced case toward him holding an outstretched hands that Piet could now see were trembling with nervousness. Ah, well, that part was at least understandable if Lord Vader had been the one to send this man. He doubted that, for all his lordship's blunt lust had been sated, he was in a particularly favorable mood when he made the request of Ensign Rolt. Taking the case, he nodded sharply towards the man. Thank you, Ensign Rolt. Were there any other issues that needed to be brought to my attention? No, sir, Rolt denied quickly. I was merely told that his lordship said that you would need the contents of this case moving forward, that's all, sir. Leaning back a little at the volume of every sir the ensign produced, Piet attempted a small smile at the man, who was clearly attempting to carry out his orders as best as he could, even if he was a little overzealous in the execution. Something which Piet realized was particularly rich coming from him, but it was the truth nonetheless. Then you are dismissed, ensign, he ordered easily. You may return to your previous tasks. Rolt saluted once more. Yes, sir, he said. And with that, he spun a perfect 180 on his heels and marched off, Piet watching him go with amusement. Shaking his head at the ensign, he turned his attention towards the case in his hands. Heavier than expected and cold to the touch, 
The case was clearly made to withstand more than a scratch or two, and apparently it contained something that Lord Vader believed he would need. Any idea what it could be, sir? Kix asked, curiosity lacing his voice. He mutely shook his head, and tilted it back to examine the lock, a simple code cylinder insertion key. Fishing his general code cylinder out of his pocket, he slotted it neatly into the lock, which opened with a click and a pneumatic hiss, the lid springing open just enough to get a finger between it to open it all the way. Flicking open the lid, Piet nearly felt his jaw drop as he saw the contents. Resting in a bed of soft black insulation material were three brand new code cylinders, presumably with updated security clearance codes, and a set of admiral rank bars to replace his captain ones, still gleaming with a glossy sheen to the blue and red squares, unlike the ones he had now which were lightly scratched and even chipped in places with use. In short, everything he needed to look the part of his new rank. His lordship said you would need the contents of this case moving forward indeed, Piet thought faintly as he examined the delivery. In truth, he had anticipated his shift today being complicated by the fact that he held the rank of admiral, and yet, and yet, without the trappings or security clearance until he got it updated, would have had to reassert that again and again and find all manner of workarounds. And apparently Lord Vader had been one step ahead as per usual, and arranged for the things he would need to nip that issue in the bud. To his side, Kix whistled lowly as he spotted the contents. It seems his lordship is looking out for you, sir, he noted as he eyed the admiral bars. Oh, that's a blessing if I've ever seen one from him. And that was just such a far-fetched thing to say that Piet nearly corrected the medic on the spot, except... except he couldn't, because... A lot of things began to make sense with just those few words. Things he hadn't been able to put a finger on. Very well, Captain. You have my full authorization to carry out any actions you deem necessary to further your investigation. May the Force be with you. Things that had seemed innocuous and normal enough, even as he had welcomed them. Things that hadn't been clear. Stay the course. Guide the lady back to her patrol route. And should Admiral Oswald wish to register any complaints, direct him to me, and ignore any further attempts made by him. You have my full permission to bypass his authority in this matter. Do you understand? Things he hadn't understood. Finish your current task, Captain. Cooperate with the coroner and forensics as far as your role will extend, but unless a new lead shows itself, you will end your shift. Exhaustion makes for poor work and poorer reasoning, neither of which we can afford. Things that had made him think he was crazy for even thinking about them. As for the position of captain of the lady, I leave it to your discretion on who you appoint your own previous duties and rank to. Things that made him think that perhaps Lord Vader cared. Cared about more than just one certain son on the lady. He had dismissed them every time as something fanciful. Something dangerous to think because it would make him drop his guard. It was stupid and reckless to think that way, an absolute folly. But he had just seen his lordship melt a man into nothing less than an abomination because he had, had harmed. And now he was standing here with fourteen officers dead at his feet, and yet looking down at a gift that was exactly what he needed to make his burden of the day a little lighter. The contrast in behaviors was as mind-boggling as it was true and it made all kinds of inconvenient and dangerous thoughts resurface as he looked at the code cylinders and bars, 
vying for his attention and reconsideration as he couldn't even bother to dredge up the will needed to banish them again. Inconvenient and dangerous, that they certainly were, but perhaps also, with Medic Kix's words ringing through his hand and a minor blessing in his hands, he cautiously wondered if he had been wrong not to trust his instincts in that matter. Turning the thought over in his head a couple of times, he took the case to the nearest flat surface at somewhat level height for him and placed it down. With hands running on autopilot, he took his current code cylinders out of his breast pockets and replaced them with the new ones, checking the small infographic symbols engraved on them to put them in his preferred order. Then, with easy practiced movements that spoke of his decades of service to the Empire, he unclipped his captain's bars from his chest for the last time and instead clipped on the glossy new bars that denoted him as an admiral in the Imperial Navy. Admiral Piet. He could get used to that. As he placed his old, scratched, and well-worn rank designations into the vacant spaces within the case, he thought that he might just live to see next year after all. Working with Lord Vader would never truly be easy, even if he was beginning to suspect that his commander perhaps didn't necessarily want him dead on principle. That was more than fine with him. He had never wanted easy from the moment he signed up for the Navy, but it was in moments like this that he was reminded that while working with his commander was far from easy, it wasn't impossible. And while he had seen many people fail to keep the positions like the one he now held with lethal consequences, he had also seen people climb the ranks of the Lady unimpeded by Lord Vader's strict standards and will, he himself being one of them. He sighed as he drummed his fingers against the side of the case. He didn't have time to be introspective, he really didn't. There was work to be done, announcements to make, and the smell of blood still hung so thick in the air around him that it made the back of his mouth taste like old electronic wires. He didn't have the time. But he also felt himself teetering on the edge of a breakdown, and he had a sinking feeling that two seconds weren't going to make the cut this time. Taking in a deep breath as he made his decision, he closed his eyes, shot a quick plea for something, anything out there to send him some strength, and let the seconds tick by as he began to set his thoughts in a row. Lord Vader rewarded ingenuity, competence, and success, even as he punished failure and incompetence with a harshness that was as infamous as it was cruel, that much was fact. But if there was one thing that Piet had learned over the years, it was that Lord Vader was, above all else, fair in his judgments. He gave what he got and judged on merit and merit alone, which was nearly a unique trait within the Imperial Armed Forces upper brass, as far as he could tell, showing itself only in Death Squadron's officers and a handful of others for reasons that seemed obvious in hindsight. And Piet knew that his commander was hated for it by most officers above a certain rank within the Armed Forces, hated and feared. But below those ranks, below those ranks he was nearly worshipped by the crewmates and the troopers. He was feared, yes, but also respected and, dare he say, loved as a commanding officer by the lower ranks. He knew the reasons, of course, had heard the rumors like any officer who had risen through the ranks from nothing and had been a part of those lower ranks, unlike many of the upper brass. The rumors that said Lord Vader had believed the word of common soldiers over even those of generals, that nothing in one's background or origin mattered to him as long as they performed their duties and performed them well. The rumors that said that he led from the front and acted as a living barrier for those that came behind him, drawing the enemy's fire that couldn't hurt him but may kill a lesser man thrice over. Yes, Piet knew the rumors. But he had been brought into Death Squadron a higher-ranking officer already, 
and from the moment he had stepped aboard he knew that he would have to be quick on his feet or end up dead on a slab. He had never had the chance to experience for himself whether those rumors were true or not, whether or not Lord Vader's lethal hostility towards certain types of officers was born not out of a wanton hatred for those holding the ranks, but because he couldn't, wouldn't stand for the lives of the lower ranks being used as stepping stones for those above them, as many of the upper brass unfortunately often seemed inclined to do. It was only a rumor, but matched with the behavior Piet had seen, and with what the Lord actually considered failure instead of what would be considered failure in the rest of the Navy, he couldn't help but wonder if the rumors didn't hold a grain of truth in them. Because if that was the case, Piet could understand all too well why his Lord reacted with murderous brutality towards those that he did. He would have to go over his memories of past executions, and perhaps request the execution notices of the officers who had lost their lives to Lord Vader's temper, and to take note of the reasonings given there, if they were given at all, but if his theory proved correct, and if it lined up with the realization that was beginning to form within his mind, perhaps he would be able to survive service under Lord Vader's direct command with more ease than he could ever have imagined. If Lord Vader's lethal ire fell most often upon the officers that endangered their underlings and chased glory instead of fulfilling their responsibilities as a leader first and foremost, then Piet's best course of action was simply to be the best possible admiral he could be, not from the standpoint of a career or a recognition, but from the standpoint of a leader, which nearly seemed so simple a requirement that he categorically refused to believe it true until he had done his research. But if it was true, if it was true, then Piet had a better chance of survival than he could ever have dreamed. If it was true, none of the officers he wished to elevate through the ranks needed to fear for their lives, not if they had the simple common decency to treat their underlings as a responsibility instead of minions, not if they earned their rank through merit rather than pedigree. It was a radical idea and one that had Piet nearly shaking at the thought of it, but the idea strangely didn't seem that far-fetched the more he thought about it. Lord Vader promoted merit. Would it really be that much of a stretch to assume that one of those merits was the ability to keep one's men alive by virtue of not sacrificing them needlessly? Nervous and more than a little light-headed with the thought that he might have just cracked the code, Piet shook himself out of his thoughts and took note of the time that had passed. Several minutes. An eternity when it came to the lady's mechanisms and a dangerous influence when in a situation as tense as this. Later. There would be time to think on this later. True or not, there was one surefire way to keep one's life under Lord Vader's command, and that was to perform one's tasks and perform them well. He still had work to do. He had an investigation to conclude, officers to consider, and the lady's crew at large to notify of who would be responsible for them from now on a responsibility that weighed heavily in the little plaque on his chest. But if the responsibility Lord Vader expected him to carry out was truly and simply what Piet suspected it was, then it was a weight he bore gladly. Clicking the case shut, and with it the last remnants of his lingering life before everything, Piet set out to work away at the orders that had been given to him one bit at a time. And as he walked towards the elevators and railcar station, he thought that even as the responsibilities weighed on him heavier than ever before, his heart felt lighter than it had in years. His path would be difficult as the new admiral of the lady, but, as Lord Vader had just reminded him with a timely gift of aid, far from impossible. 
The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Dockray, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.